to Learning Cloud. Uh, I'm Chris, Head of Learning Design at Cloud and with me is Jamini, our Head of Visual Design. Creative. 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 Yeah. Anyways, uh, this is a series where we're talking about all things learning. So this could be learning and training in professional cultures, new things happening in the world of learning, technology, and just uh, general information that might be valuable or interesting to you. So basically here, well, we're going to talk about how you can make your content, your whatever you're putting in your course, look more visually appealing, how to make it easier on the readers, and how to, what you can do to make it more visually engaging. Yeah, I'm, I'm like actually quite excited about this topic because uh, I'm working with clients. One of the largest challenges or struggles that we come across is uh, that people don't necessarily have, uh, you know, a design background or, or visual expertise. And when we're doing online learning that, you know, comes into play much more than it would in a face-to-face -face training or something like that. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we figured we could talk about what makes good material, both from, from my side, from the learning expert side, and from a designer side. So let's, let's get into it. And I think one of the first things that, you know, often intimidates people is when we kind of uh you know when you said that people who don't have a design background i think that's one of the first things that intimidates people like do i have to have a visual background to make my content look good and in some cases people just don't think that it's important which is a bigger problem and yes you know yeah, because yes. uh the fact is that you know the way you present uh 
your course material, the way you present your presentations, your documents, they don't have to be fancy and ridiculously well designed, but they have to be legible. They have to be readable and easy for your learners to grasp. So it is an essential thing to get it right. And you as a learning designer, I'm sure, values that side. Oh, yeah, it makes, it makes life a lot easier when, when we're not dealing with questions about, you know, where do I place my logo? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's a good, it's probably a pretty good place to start mm. is, um, you know, at least from, from your perspective, mm. um, what, what makes good design, like visual design in general? What? Well, I think uh, first thing is uh, keeping the person who is reading your material in mind and showing some kind of empathy and in some ways also keeping equity in mind. These are two things that are crucial to creating something that's visually pleasing. I'm a firm believer in keeping things minimal. I'm a firm believer at in highlighting what's important and clear messaging. I think these are three things that uh, is crucial and what makes it the core of good design. And, you know, we're constantly learning and constantly learning. I've been uh, in the field for over seven years now, but there isn't a day that goes by when you're learning something new. And and certainly some other. And certainly, um, you know, trends keep changing. Mm. Some new stuff. So, yeah, 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 and thinking about trends and all of that, like, um, for sure, that's that's maybe more topical and 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 industry dependent or, or context dependent. But mm. do you think, do you think that there's something innate in people that identifies good design? Because I mean, if we look at, um, you, you can take any you know well-known brand or logo or something like the Apple logo, right? It, it's it's impact. So, like, do you think that we're kind of somehow wired or innately geared to be able to recognize good design even if we don't know why it's good or is that a goal of good design i think that is the strategy of good design because you need to be able to it's being able to see what the consumer uh doesn't know already or the for example people will naturally divert a little more and feel a sense of calmness when they look at a white background or get minimal typography as opposed to something with neon colors going on that naturally engages some tension. It may be good tension, it may be bad tension, it may be a source of interest, but both those colors belong in a certain place and belong in a certain emotion. And that's what makes uh, good design. The fact that you can predict what your customer or what your learner wants to speak up, wants to feel and what your uh, learner identifies with. For example, you wouldn't want to put, if, if, it, if it is a course on uh, medical training or a course on, uh, I don't know, something like yoga or health, you would want to make something that's new. You would want to, because you know that this is what... Right, so you could you could you could talk you could talk about like adjectives or something that relate to your let's say your topic and and, and can those same adjectives be applied to uh, what you're looking at to the visual layout of it or the colors used to that sort of thing? But I think, like I think you answered my question because I 
it's this this idea that there's an innate quality that someone actually doesn't necessarily need to be uh, a designer to recognize good design. Yeah. And so so even without any uh, experience or knowledge in that, you could create something and like look at it and you know if something's nagging in your mind that yes. it's like you can tell you might not know what but you can tell if it's good or bad Absolutely. and that's an interesting benchmark for people to keep in mind like and trust your gut kind of thing yeah trust your feeling because uh you know i always say that in order to make decent ppt presentations suppose you know you have a client who has uh whose upcoming task is to make presentations for a course and this person has no design background, nothing. It's okay. That person can still make visually pleasing things and wish the and uh, presentations that get the point across. More importantly, and you know, I always feel like, of course, the last thing that sometimes people worry about is how this looks like and how this presentation. Uh, you know, it's visually out there because, you know, there are a ton of other things to worry about. And, you know, but, but one short, short thing is that we're going to talk about some tips and tricks that uh, help you achieve that. Not only would it make your material more effective, which really engaging will make, but it will also actually save you a ton of time. So in a way, you're actually helping yourself by making it visually pleasing, you're making the experience learners particularly you're helping your learners and that's uh essential for example like uh do you ever feel like there's uh you know when it comes to when you're helping uh, someone through their learning process in order to Mm. create their course how often do you think the content that you get to work with uh it's you know it becomes kind of like a hurdle in making the experience effective. Yeah, of course, of course it happens. Of course it happens, and that's like why why we're here. That's one of the one of the you know ways we try to distinguish ourselves, and and I think something's you know necessary, especially as we do more and more online learning and training. Um, do you have a little specific example that yes. of the hurdle that you frequently face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, I think, I think often um, the cool thing is is that the course creators or or, or developers, um, they usually they're they're either subject matter matter experts themselves mm-hmm. or they're in relation with them. There's always a lot of knowledge. Yeah. Always a lot of knowledge and expertise, and um, people are generally very very eager to share that and. Um, and they want to, um, but it's it's like a filtering process or a step back. So so it's it's the ability to be like, okay, I have to view this from not, I have to view my expertise from not my place of expertise, um, because like what what ends up happening if you if you don't sort of take that moment or or like put yourself in that position is you end up with giant documents or things that are. Um, you know, they contain all the information, but they don't present it in a way that's like very accessible. Um, and so needing a textbook to read a textbook sort of situation. So like it's it's it's, it's a matter of, you know, it's like paragraphs and paragraphs paragraphs of knowledge and 
really good knowledge. Yeah. But if it's not distributed correctly, if it's not organized correctly. I would, I would say well, not correctly, but. Well, yes, uh, actually, yes, absolutely. That's a much better word. If it's not organized well, it really, really uh, makes, uh, it really ends up putting a hurdle or uh, some kind of. It puts a barrier up for the. Exactly. Because the, I think the thing that we, we haven't mentioned here is that like learning is, is always work. It's mm -hmm. always effort. Um, you know, whether it's an easy thing or a complex, it's still effort on someone's part. Yes. And, you know, our job as, as learning designers, as experts, as educators is always to try to, to lower that threshold and like make it as easy and approachable as possible because if people don't have to worry about at added complexities or, or um, just even sorting out uh, and organizing all this information themselves, then they're they're much better to to apply mm -hmm. um, their their time and their effort to to like taking in that new information and thinking about it. Um, like really briefly, this goes into the idea of cognitive load, mm -hmm. which is like this principle out of you know psychology and educational mm -hmm. science, where like we have limited amounts of tech, uh, limited amounts of like bandwidth to dedicate to something. Uh, to any task or any intention, yeah. and so we want to we want to like maximize the efficiency there, uh, so that the majority of that can be dedicated to taking in new information, processing it, thinking about it in new context, and that's and that's like learning, right? That's doing this the process. New information comes in, yeah. You do something with it, and you're able to apply it in new situations. Mm -hmm. I think one more thing, which is really, uh, which this example kind of like of, you know, you getting a document with full of knowledge, it will, it's also a good example to differentiate between what you do and what I do in a way, you know, in the sense, like, I think often people, uh, aren't, uh, uh we, we sort of, not everyone knows what a learning designer does. Everyone knows what a graphic designer does, but there's a very clear difference. So, you know, I think it's a good, this example is a perfect way to kind of show how you organize the content and how you present that content in that document. That would fall in your category. Yeah, yeah. And how I make that document look in, like, you know, things like making the fonts look good, making text look good, making uh, it legible, readable for people of all age, all kinds of yeah. uh, vision uh, impairments and all that in as many and as equitable a way up as possible. That could fall into my department. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a good uh, example of a way to give a distinction. Yeah, though. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, um, yeah, we're both designers and job of a designer is to communicate space. And your toolbox contains colors and shapes and photography. Oh, yeah, all of those sorts of things that we see. Whereas my toolbox contains more like psychological processes or more, yeah, just understanding up uh, how people approach things. So it's uh, and and how we the same way that you work with colors and shapes to make things. Um, legible and and like visually appealing i work with uh concepts and ideas uh and how you can make those like clear and communicate so that's maybe maybe um 
But then, like, so there's also some common ground in some ways. For example, uh, reading patterns, behavioral patterns. These are things where both yeah. of us need to keep certain things in light. You know, yeah. we need to. I actually think one of the one of the really like overlapping ones that I think we we sort of are like on the exact same page with is when it comes to like let's just take a presentation yeah. as an example. So you've got whatever your your set of slides or your or your material that you're preparing for learners and i'll see it often where it's just kind of it's it's put in or it's 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 all blocks of text maybe somewhat organized but there's not a huge amount of thought and consideration to it so what i always like try to step back and tell clients is like well you should have like you know start with a title it doesn't need to be anything other than a title just the same way i open a book and there's a title yes. and then you know after that, you know, try having an introduction. So a few sentences, what this is actually about, yeah. what we're going to focus on. And then you can go into the, the sort of deeper explanations. And then, of course, just again, like a, a book or a story, you're going to conclude it and then summarize it. Yeah. And I think that you, you know, with all the work I see you do, it's very much the same sort of thing. And you say the same things like, I put a title slide on it. In fact, you know, tell a story. Yeah. You know, learning is at the end of the day a form of story. Yeah. You know, whether it is in kindergarten, where you're learning your very basics of how, watch, uh, and how, like, what's the function of, say, a toy of a truck. Or it, there's, we are always telling a story with learning, whether we are training someone in keto, whether we are training someone uh, onboarding someone, you know, and uh, that's, that's, and that goes with design as well you know we're we're trying to get a story across in a matter of you know if you even if you look at the exterior of a store a visual merchandisers need to tell a story in two to three seconds right right you know? right you you this season's hot fashion yeah exactly you know i mean that's also a form of storytelling so it, it's it's a lot to uh so contrary to what People think it's not just, you know, you, you don't just have, hey, okay, I have like 10 presentations ready. I'm going to upload this on uh, Planet the, on Planet or any e-learning platform. Uh, and then I'm done. You know, no. At the end of the day, learning online is a thing of its own. Just like it's it, you can't treat it like a classroom experience in, in term way. Yeah. 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 Uh, if you have to always tell a story, is what I'm trying to say. I think he tells stories in the classroom. Yeah, let's just say uh, the nature of us. Yes, being yeah. beings that experience time with like stories and narratives. Oh, right. this makes sense. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Oh, but uh, yeah, I think you know uh, another couple of points, but that I frequently uh, think of as you know, okay, you know, often when it comes to someone who's onboarding. And uh, this is, uh, it's creating like an online course is more of a, it's kind of like a low priority job. I'm sure that the, that very same HR person has a ton of other things to do. So, but at the same time, sure, it's a low priority thing. So I suppose it's a low priority. I might push back on that, actually. We need... I'm, I'm saying, suppose there's a situation where it's not a major property. Sure. You know, like, okay, I have a ton of other high priority things to do. So it's still important that that low priority course makes its effective. It makes sense. And so even, even in a low priority 
projects, it's important to get your learning design right. It's important to get your uh, visual material right. Yeah. I would just push back that it's yeah. never really low priority, especially if you use the example of, like, let's say, onboarding. Right. It's a huge thing for companies, and it means that, you know, new hires and, and also, like, uh, even existing hires that and moving to new positions. Like, yes. Like, having all the tools and information in place in ways that's comprehensible, that's easy to understand, like, that is so critical to business success, right? It's ambitional. Yeah, if, if you don't know where to find whatever it is, and your expense report, like, that's going to cause, like, numerous backlogs. So I, I, I push back on the idea that it's, I don't think it's yeah. ever low priority when it comes to learning and training. And I think we're seeing this more, like, I think a lot of businesses are waking up to the fact that, um, you know, continual development, constant learning is just part of the business cycle these days. And, and by putting a priority on it and by investing in it and by like investing in your employees by giving them the time and the resources they need, you actually have much better outcomes at the end of the day, at the end of the quarter. Yeah. Uh, you can, you know, see those, those good impacts. Yes, because if you've gotten your foundational knowledge right on how things work in yeah. organization, things should go smoothly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and you know, I think that's that's exactly why it's essential that you get your experience with learning design correctly and you know whatever whatever visual material you're putting out there in your online course it should represent your message and of course it should represent your brand language if you have one many many organizations don't and or are still in the process of discovering who they are visually nevertheless uh it's still important to have a sense of uh you know, well, clarity in uh, what you do. And, you know, there, there's some really simple tips that I was thinking of when I uh, was, to, yeah. I have, a, I have a question that can maybe lead into tips. Yeah. So you've been with Clan Ed with us now for like almost two years. Yeah. 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 So, but you've been designing for seven. So in your time here, like, what have you noticed uh, about um, materials when it comes to, like, learning and learning design stuff um, and other, like, what's different? What noted differences have you noticed compared to, like, other visual design applications? Because there must be. Yeah. I mean, for example, I've designed for, say, a, a fitness company where uh, I, I, I'm specifically talking about company types. Versus either. No, I'm talking more about like industry, like big industry. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing visual design for logo or brand language, is it, I think a very different thing than if you're doing it for learning. So, yeah, in your time, what it what it stands out to you is, oh, this is different, or something you weren't expecting about it, or something you learned about it. Uh, I think what really stands out here is. Uh, it's got very little to do with how, I think, you know, looking cohesive and look, uh, looking a certain way takes a bit of a backseat. What takes a front seat is uh, getting, is watering down the information for your designer. For example, if I have an infographic that a very complex chart or a very, if I, if I have to talk about the onboarding process, plan and you know i have like a timeline i have to design for a presentation and 
LinkedIn post, whatever. Uh, I think, you know, in uh, most situations, I would keep it. Uh, so, I mean, of course, I will customize it. I'll make it a simple timeline, add some iconography to it, everything. But uh, in, suppose the smart material is specifically for onboarding clients on Climate, then I would first and foremost make sure that the information is clear. I will, if, if uh, you need to, you know, put the complete text in it, and I can't put, say, an illustration or an iconography, no matter how good it looks and no matter how... Would you want that? How much you want? How much you want that picture in there? If uh, the text needs to be there, if if that's something that is mandatorily come from you, because uh, it's important that that information is there, I have to put it there. You know, I think some. Uh, I think getting the information across in such industries is uh, it's much more important than all. Uh, how it could be if I was working for a, well, I guess a branding company or, or an advertising agency. That matter, you know, where all uh, less more. That's that. that Those play a really big role in that. Sort of real, yeah. I think there, if uh, I, you know, choose to uh, choose to put text over, say, iconography or illustration, it'll be a problem there. But here, I think it's essential that. You know, okay, fine. You have a ton of information. It's there for a reason. And you need to find a way to make it look good. And let go. Let go some things. And, uh, but other points, you know, like uh, either online learning or whether it's uh, for university students or whether it's for onboarding. I think everywhere there's one thing which is in common, which is that... uh, which is what we just mentioned, which is that, you know, I think text and your, your, uh, I guess your, your ability to organize that text into bite-sized pieces is important. Yeah. You know, and your ability to be able to organize, uh, for example, for certain courses or certain modules in the course, for that matter, anyway, uh, you know, it really... You, you really need to know the material. You really need to read the material, even if you're a designer. Right? And you have to put on uh, different... You have to look at things from multiple perspectives. You've got to realize that in a course that's talking about, say, safety training, I can't compromise on the design. I can't compromise on the text here. I can't compromise. I, I, I can't suppose 50 paragraphs... I really thought that this doesn't happen, but suppose 50 uh, points uh, have to be mentioned in a slide. I have to make, and they have to be in the same slide. I have to find a way to make it work. Actually, it's funny you bring that up because I mean, yeah. it's another interesting point. I think we've talked about this, like the, the difference, identifying like when it's appropriate to use one format or yeah. how they're so yes. in the event where you have 50 interrelated points that all need to be mentioned at the same time. Yeah. Maybe like uh, using a visual slide format is less preferable mm-hmm. than using a document. I mean, I typically, from my perspective, again, it is a visual thing that people are learning. You've got to think about um, making it 
inciting and engaging for the learner. So I tend to like push people away from using documents when they don't have to. Yeah. Um, like obviously you're not going to put a, a, you know, a 20 page study into a slide format. Right? It's a read. So there are, so identifying those situations where you can perhaps like drop the design in a sense to be like, you know what, this just needs to be a written document. Exactly. It's meant to, there's, there's a reason a document is a document. There's a reason. And there's, there's, there's actually more that you can explore with on planet. For example, I have a, suppose I have an infographic that shows directions on how to, let's take the safety example, how to give CPRs, yep. you know, and okay, you have all those posters. We can use a thing for something important. Or that, and, it, and we can, you can use Canva, absolutely. You can use Canva, find something, and if someone wants to make a comment on and that, of course, like, there's a way to interact with that. But also, Big Link, you can put all that extra information that you can't put in one yeah. piece. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, there's so many tools that we can use that are really specific to visual design, but also learning design and education, and they're kind of... And they, it's, they kind of, like, interlink. And I think, uh, yeah, I think that's, it's really essential that we know that, okay, you know, uh, like you said, a 20-page document can't be a PPT. So don't try making it one. Make a Word document and, of course, you, if, you, if you have the time and the skills to make it look visually pleasing, by all means, I go for it. But uh, if you have records, you know, make them look, uh, there should be a certain level of ease uh, when you're reading it. And, you know, I think one of the things that uh, I was never a big fan of ready-made templates, uh-huh. presentations, or Word documents. Word documents are still okay, and I think it's easy to work with those, but presentations, the problem is it's, you know, I always say that they're like that, but how, you know, that, that instant glossy cake that you find in grocery stores, it looks great, but when you make it, it's not nearly as appetizing as it looks. Right. You know, when you download those templates and you realize that, okay, my image should be, my, it's, it's, it's not working with the material I have. Right. So. But I guess there's like, there's room in there as well, right? Like, so let's say you're, you've got a big course to make or something like that. It might actually be worth uh, either talking to a designer or, or if you have one in house, like then it's like get yeah, so like a template is actually quite useful there. Design it for you know make make twenty variations of the slide that covers every possible context, and then build all your materials from that so they're consistent and they're and they organization could be easier. Yeah, and you know I yeah. contrary to what people think. Making it look more like your company, it's more than just superficial. It's easier for your learners to recognize. It's easier for uh, your learners to also associate your message with a certain visual look. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that is something which I frequently think that I, I always am an athlete for telling people that, you know, this it's more than just superficial visual appeal. There is a lot more to do. Um, to how you visually present your content to you. Well, can, what can people do to, uh, you know, to highlight or to to make particular uh, information that more impactful? What can they, what is like, what is the practical thing 
um, you know, generally that can be done to, to, to achieve that. Is there, is there like a layout that works? Is there? Um, I think, you know, there's so, um, I think that a sure shot way, and this is someone who frankly has very much what to know, uh, like, uh, knack for aesthetics and how things look visually. I think a sure shot way is an easy way is to keep things clean, simple, bold. It's easy. You don't have to do a lot of work. You know, keep things minimal. Keep things clutter-free. So if there is, uh, you know, try to have minimal imagery. Try to keep things clutter, especially if you have a lot of resume, a lot of pa paragraphs and paragraphs of text that you want to put in your uh, slide, then it's essential that you keep it organized and clutter-free. Break it up. And yeah, you know, light colors like white, light gray, beige, these are your friends. And I always say that, you know, when it comes to fonts. College sense. <laughs> nope. Nope. That will get you un-onboarded. Yes. No. Fired. Yeah. Gone. No. <laughs> First. Nope. Yeah. I think when it comes to fonts, I have the back. Stick to Sanser. I think. Was. Yeah. I think it's uh, just easier to work. Let's explain what Sans Serif is, in case anyone doesn't know. And so Sans Serif is basically uh, when you have. Well, what's a serif? Oh, what's a, yeah, a serif is basically, I don't know how to explain, but like stick or top of life. Yeah. You can explain it. Better. So it's, it's historical. Yeah. And it was because when they were doing um, like actual printing, like on woodblock printing and stuff like that, there was there was certain space that you had for each letter, and some letters, like an M, is much wider than an I. And so when you would print them, um, the words could end up looking really, really misjointed because the space between the letters felt unequal. So they developed this thing called a serif, which are like it was no look little ticks on the bottom and top of letters and it fills in the space between uh, it making the letter sizes more consistent and equal and it actually like added legibility but now we're constantly you're constantly learning as a designer every day in your old apologies i don't i don't know i i but i but what you're saying about the spacing thing that is something which i work with every day so it's like there's a one in how we kind of do all the kerning, at least how I've been taught is think of it like a bucket of sand that fills in a certain space, that same amount of sand fill in the next in, yeah. space. But spaces like S's, Y's, R's can get tricky. So you have to do everything a little manually there. So sand serif fonts are what yeah. we're using to do. So like Helvetica. So, yes, Helvetica. Dim sands. Robocho. So they have no little ticks. Yeah. And because we're using digital technology, we we can like yeah. make the spaces yeah. uh easier and so does sensor is it's for modern, it's modern, it's cleaner and uh I'd say it's easy. it's more legible is what I would I would say and it's also gonna be easier for people uh with you know, glasses, it's it's just easier for them to learn. Or other impairments. Other impairments, exactly. I think serif fonts are always trickier, you know, it is. So, I personally, typography isn't my, um, uh, it's not my area of specialty, so it's not something which I am master with. So, I too stay away from serif fonts if I, I work with it, if it's 
like if the company's default font is that, then I have no choice but to crumple it in. It's fine, but like uh, that is something like uh, it's essential that you stick to you stick to something safe. You know, try not to experiment in these situations because uh, especially if you need something at the drop of a hat like this, you know. And I think another thing which uh, will instantly make things make uh, your material stand out a little more is uh, suppose you're okay, suppose it's onboarding for a software, you know, or, or your trains. I think uh, what's essential is taking, you know, you don't, of course, you know, you see all those templates where you pan the mock ups of. Which kind of like showcase the product in a fancy MacBook app. You don't need to do all of that. But you can be strategic in your screenshots. Mm-hmm. Suppose you take, there's a specific feature that you want to talk about in your, uh, on say, an onboard. Which is a product, not just a software. It's a software. There's a specific feature that you want to make sure that people want to, you know, take, zoom it. Take a shot, take a screenshot, highlight that particular thing. It's not a lot of bubble around it. No. Stick to some, stick to something rectangular, it might look nice. <laughs> but you don't have to highlight yeah, highlight it and be 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 wise and it'll it'll instantly get the message across better. You know. And I think another thing which I personally think is essential is uh Always, uh, if you're using flowcharts, pie charts, all of these things, you know, especially if your 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 organization, your company, or your software has an existing practice, do make sure that all of it reflects. And you know, contrary to what people think, it's it's not a time-consuming thing. It's actually super easy to just go on your master slide and edit your template directly. Again. You know, just edit the first slide. Switch the fonts to what you have. Switch the colors of the default chart into your colors by adding the hex codes. If you have a grand manual, great, do that. Or even if you, if you, you know, and, and, and that will just, so as, as a result, your template will by default uh, change. It, it'll reflect the brand language instead. This is good material for my course on how to make slide how to make exactly, and I think what's essential is um that you know be, I think even if the company and you know often people are like oh we're we're a startup we have, we have three people in our organization we we haven't invested in our branding yet we don't know it yet so that's okay you can still come up with. Something you know, you can still be consistent. You can still be consistent. Fine, use the default fonts. Use Calibri if need be, but then make sure that Calibri is there throughout. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. If if you're choosing three shades of blue, make sure that those three shades of blue. Write down those hex codes. Well, yeah, or or use the default setting. You know, it's 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 at the end of the day, it's about making a wise choice. It's. And all of this makes a difference in how your learner is going to perceive the material. There is going to be um, an association, like suppose something is very important and learners need to look at that particular paragraph and make sure they read it. Use a dark, bold color for it and put the paragraph in that, you know, 
you or if there is a certain mood that you want like okay this is a very important critical stage you know what you can have a sense of humor about it and put a really serious photograph you think it's an atmosphere it's not so cheesy but like be a little more you know i think uh, and i don't think i think is essential is getting your image rejected which i know or uh, not everyone mm. thinks is so so, so so what do you have to do to get your imagery right you know there's so many free resources you have on splash you have but but aside from the resources like you can list a bunch of links of resources at the description there are so many but i i think you know uh, what's essential is having a sense of cohesion in your imagery is essential i think uh so one easy trick it doesn't trick you don't need to be a photographer for this is to make sure that you take photographs from the same photo shoot or same people or if it's uh you know more some if it's a mock up then the same series right cuz right. there's similar lighting there's something custom made about it it will it's consistent this consistent. comes back to this idea of yeah. consistency it's yeah. is is really important what do you think uh you know through learning design what would bring in the consistency factor there how do you oh I think I touched on it earlier like um things like like having a format. So um I mean we talk a lot about um replicatable formats in like let's say your study modules. So again we can keep talking about this onboarding uh course. So let's say like you've got one module that's about like company values and culture and another that's about uh HR resources, right? So okay, obviously you break down the various topics into their into their categories. and then within those categories you're going to have different content for 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 that whole module explaining all the different hr or all the different culture values things um so having like a repeatable process there so when learners come in and you know they it's it's a design thing they they start to know what to expect and the first bit is a is an introduction right and it's always a short little thing telling you what this module is all about and then the next things or the next few things cover some various aspects of it and then you know it follows up with uh like a quiz or or some assignment and then you know a summary at the end what are the key takeaways from this what do you really need to remember so there's having a format to like the order that information is presented in yeah. and then you can take that whole process like a level down even further and within the content itself it's about having a consistent order so i talked about like having a title slide start with a title do an introduction then present like the the meat of the of the learning and then you know conclude it and summarize it like so so having this repetitive or repetit repetitive um structure um again this goes back to that whole cognitive load thing that we were talking about after the learner has gone through one or two modules they know exactly what to expect and they're not they're not wondering what's next but if you start changing that up they're going to get there and they'll be whoa, 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 what's going to that miss up exactly it's about it it's about telling like we said it's about telling a story and it's also and building predictability but building predict a very absolutely yes yeah and i think it's also a uh, building an experience in a way you know it's a it's those are right. experience design 
Exactly. Yeah, it's like, for example, um, you wouldn't want to start with something ridiculously intimidating. You want to start slow. Yeah, of course. And then you go up. And then, and the same goes for visuals, actually, in many ways. You know, you don't just start with, sure, okay, you know, you start with a great cover. Mm-hmm. Great. Your first slide, though, but then mellow down a little bit. And then slowly build your content up there. You know, I think that is something. So in a way, it helps. You are, at the end of the day, setting an experience. Yeah. And I... uh. So one more thing I wanted to ask you, you know, how, how long have you been in Men Desire for? I guess three years now. Okay. I, I, I don't know. That's it's officially in this job. Sure, but I mean, certainly, like I worked in education prior. I did some art design prior. So I mean, I think communicating has always been kind of a part of it. So this is formally with Planet for three years. Yeah. So, so, how has, I guess, uh, you worked as a learner before, how is it different working as a learning designer? Or, in a way, how, what, what stands out? Do you think particularly that stands out? Well, without, like, the whole story of it, like... Uh, one of the reasons that I was I was really attracted to the company is um, because they were doing things that I personally agreed with in, in education and based on the studies I had done. And, and the sort of things that excite me. Um, I do think that it's a social process. I do think that it should be exciting. Uh, I do think that there's a lot of room for incorporating new technology and for just like playing around and trying new things, which is super, super exciting. Um. Yeah. What was the question? <laughs> what What do I notice that's different? About versus uh, working as a working in learning here versus or just working or even learning in, in general. Anything that particularly that excites you? I, I love learning. I think it's like going to make a better world. I think it's a way to lift people up. So it's a valuable thing to invest in. And I think it's, I think it's a thing that is really open-ended because like we're all there's always more information so there's always more learning to be done and the more we do it and especially now with the tools and technologies that we have access to we can start to like peek inside that like black box of of uh you know the human mind and what happens when people learn there's been debate about this for 100 years yeah um but uh, I think now we're really at a place where we're able to do some things um, that, you know, they they work. And sometimes we don't even know why they work, yeah. but we know that they're working. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just, it's an exciting, it's, yeah, and it's an exciting place to be. Um, and I mean, further, even like here specifically, um, you know, I'm given the freedom like to yeah practically apply my knowledge with minds and like help them succeed and i love seeing that because you know it makes people happy and yeah generates business but i also like that you know i get to play with ideas and you know do essentially like product development from pedagogical perspective which is like a unique thing uh at least right now yeah and it will probably move it out as we go uh in the future but yeah, it's cool. I feel like, you know, uh, an explorer in a way. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. 
And do you, do you think that, you know, of course it's, it's all, I personally always think that there's time to get creative. There's always time for you to get creative and experiment a little bit, but like, how would you say, okay, suppose someone with, I'm not learning designer myself, so like, I don't know, what can, what are some basic things that I should always keep in mind when I'm strategizing my content, when I am, uh, well, when I'm, when I'm building my course, when I'm organizing sure. what goes on it, like yeah. some basic yeah. tips that everyone should follow. Uh, well, you're not going to get it a hundred percent right quarter's time. Like, like, remember that it'll always be an iterative process and you can, um, use, you know, what you, you can do your best, obviously. Um, but one like, don't, don't take it too seriously. Have fun, like, yeah. like make room for fun and play because that's another big part of learning is playing. Um, so like have a bit of a sense of humor, obviously about it, um, even in serious topics, you can have a little break for that. So I think that's really important. Um, and and I think it's about, you know, try to understand why you're making a certain decision about a thing, why you're putting it in this order, or why you're highlighting this, or why you're going to make the assignment about that. And, and you know, monitor it. Mm -hmm. um, because, like, ask the learners questions. Yeah. Most importantly, ask them questions, gather feedback, encourage them to, to be as vocal and interactive as you can, because... That's just going to serve as feedback for you, and that's the best way to improve your offering or, or whatever it is. Because you're you're sure you're going to like nail some aspects, and you're going to probably fail or not succeed as much as you would have liked with others. And and the sooner that you can start to identify those things, you can start to figure out why something works and why something doesn't, and then you can like apply that learning to your own learning pattern. You know, just keep. Iterating the process. That's a process, and I think that's what uh, is often it often goes missing in um, online learning. The people think that hey, put your put all your stuff. That's it. Without realizing that it's it's a cycle. Yeah. Well, ideally, it should. It should be. It 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 should be. Yeah. For effective learning, it should be. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's like you constantly get feedback. You need to know what works, what doesn't work. What are they? Uh, working well with what are they not work where are your students struggling I think it's and, and you know what in some ways even visually it's all places I could well because you know if a certain presentation or a certain document is uh, it's getting too boring people are just I don't want so much test pie charts like pie charts in a row I don't want to read this you know we can make it more interesting for you we there are ways for us to um or for that matter, for the trainer to make it maybe make it more visually fun or change the language or uh, for that matter, you get creative with your pie charts, you know, use Canva. And I'm not a big, and of course, like as a designer, I would never, ever tell anyone that, you know, to... I think it's a, think it's a, it's a great tool. But, but for someone who needs to get need something quick and need something outside the norm, use it, you know, get, get, not as use infograph, use all these tools that are out there, use noun projects. And, you know, sometimes, for example, some, 
you don't need to write save money when you can show a piggy bank. You don't need to write uh, achievement when you can show a trophy. You know, you, you have all these. Uh, and these are basic things which everyone universally understands. So these are little elements that one should always keep in mind. Yeah. I think it... I'm happy you brought that up, actually. Like, it, don't write out a complex explanation of a process if you can show it with a really simple graphic. And I'm I'm always surprised by, you know, how much the, like, graphics with, you know, just a little oval or something, colored oval with a, with a title in it and an arrow going to, like, it's the simplest thing in the world, but it can actually be so effective when it's seamless to communicating an idea. And that's what we're really all about here is communicating an idea in the best, most effective way possible. Absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's all about, I think, sure, would you want this to look like something straight out of an Apple product? Of course, it, it, and anyone would. But at the end of the day, uh, getting the message across is of more vital importance. And that, uh, so in your online course, your presentations, your documents, all those things take a back seat. We, uh, but practicality is take offense. Yeah. So and, yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, same. But that being said, just because it's practical doesn't mean it needs to look hideous. Bland. That, or bland for that matter. So things are... I mean, bland is worse. Hideous can... Hideous pushed out. It could be interesting, but hideous could also be disturbing. <laughs> Still more interesting than bad. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there, there are ways to jazz things up and there are ways to, so, you know, make your content more effective. And, you know, I think visually and pedagogically speaking, I think it's getting these two things are foundation. I mean, some ways to making for material worth activity. It, it comes to life. Yeah. You know, it's it's no longer a something bland and boring. I want to change gears here um, and ask the question that I've been wondering about. And like, what kind of, um, how do you see cultural differences having an impact on uh, how people approach information and visual design? Because... I mean, we work we work pretty internationally, and so so I mean that's that's awesome because we get to see so many different um, people and places and their approach to these sorts of things. But like, how do you is is there anything that stands out to you? I the biggest thing that stands out should be certain symbols. Like, I don't think you produce a pig symbol in certain countries. You know, uh, you, uh, of say, uh, showing saving money. At least based on experience I had, so although I'm not fit, but I think you need to be sensitive about using certain keywords. You need to be sensitive about maybe even certain colors in all certain cultures. Uh, I think I think it is essential though that yeah, it also depends on. I think more than culture, it depends on who you're working. And what kind of vibe are you getting um, on the ways if it's extremely corporate strict, you might want to stay away from the hammer and circle. Yeah, you might want to stay away from memes and you might want to stay away from um, a certain uh, casual tools. But it's, it can have a more relaxed start of vibe. 
or you know you're generally in a country which is more relaxed about these things that he can open with a joke you can't open with uh well you can go you can experiment you know you can it really it's it's just just how it works with but this is talking about design as well this is talking about okay what we can do in different scenarios I, i'm more wondering about if you notice anything different just about the like the perception of these things in in different parts of the world or different cultures and places. Um, well, I think um, so. I grew up um, in, in India, where you know I think aesthetics have always taken a back seat. That was very bright and busy from what I saw when I visited. No, I do, it is, but like I'm talking about in most organization stuff, you know. As you based on my experience working there, it's the last thing that people would care about is how your presentation looks. Unless, of course, you come from a design agency, because then things are different. In most of corporate world, that's that's not how it works. You know, it's. Um, Why do you think that is? I think, well, based on my uh, experience personally, I think design and aesthetics is something that we're not. That doesn't get a lot of importance, you know. It's a lot more um, engineering and science and technology. The education system has always taken a front seat. You know, it's always money has got goes there, investment goes there. It's it I it's it's I feel terrible saying this, but sometimes I also think the respect goes there. So as a result. Do you think that maybe that's um, tied, I mean, in this example, is it tied to um, perhaps like the, the social development of, of the culture or the nation that like in question and perhaps, uh, you know, uh, cultures that are like in development process and like lifting themselves to a higher economic status, like it's, it's quite obvious that in order to do so, you need to invest in, in education but specifically in technology in in these sort of um like fundamental drivers that that affect sort of all areas as opposed to like more just getting more technical things right yes absolutely i think that is essential but like i think uh i'm also looking at this from a slightly different lens i'm not looking at this from a neutral lens you know having grown up there in my opinion might be a little more colored uh but say i don't know if the same situation happens in say malaysia canada Canada. i i think uh i in my experience whatever experience i had uh working in different cultures i think what makes a difference is uh i think a lot of it depends on just uh, the tone and the attitude towards a certain field. If it, if you know, if they come from a very technical, you know, very above, you know, where everything fits, should fit neatly in a puzzle, that kind of attitude, then yes, there's uh, maybe we've had very uh, technical documents with ton of information that we have to work with but you know curriculums where uh, countries where 
maybe school curriculums are a little long, are open to being a little more creative, open to being a little more flexible. Um, I think that's where they might be open to being more experimental with the way they work with their pedagogy or the way or for that matter and how they work with their visuals because they might be a little more open to experimenting with something new. Yeah. You know, so yeah. sometimes it it's I'm not I don't think there's a right or wrong here because some people have this attitude that if the day ain't broken, don't fix it. Yeah. You yeah. know. So if it's a if the word is if engineers and what they are doing is what is developing the world and developing society in general, um, why should we change that? But there, there are people who uh, are open to yeah, and experimenting. How is it, uh, would you say, in Canada? It's, it's been a long time since I was in school there. Uh, but what I was what I was actually thinking is that, again, this brings us to like an interesting point because you know if we look at general trends in education and, and uh, learning and uh, the sort of skills that people are interested in right now it's all about like 21st century skills yeah. and and people are recognizing the importance of this sort of stuff and incorporated in that are things like design thinking yeah uh, which I think is really cool so I, I'll be curious to see how uh, especially, let's say, in like cultures or places that were more rigid or more technically focused, they're waking up to, okay, we got to use 21st century. So, of course, there's a lot of STEM in there. There's, uh, you know, sort of uh, like program thinking is really fundamental. But design thinking is really uh, a critical element. A critical element. And so I'm excited to see what happens because I think that, you know, it may have been a privilege in the past to to get design thinking as part of your education. And sure, it leads to a lot of innovation and creativity. But as it becomes this core element of education, I think it's going to be, a, you know, in 15, 20 years when the kids who are now starting school yeah. go through their whole education with, with, this, with these ideas about, you know, what does good design mean? Absolutely. Uh, what's going to happen? Move things. Yeah. Because I think when I was in... School and when I was in my teenage years, it was still, you know, kind of okay. We knew that there's a field like design, and yes, you can make a living out of it. The generation before me didn't even know of it. Maybe something like learning design did not exist then. Yeah, you know, and yeah. uh, but it will be a it'll be a norm with yeah. the generation later. So it's it's a matter of time. It's a matter of experimenting. It's a matter of your ability to be open to something and spit. Yeah, I think we are going very broad now. Yeah. I think this could be a podcast of its own. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think maybe that's also a yeah. good place for us to uh, to draw this to a close. And hopefully, you know, have more feedback on what can we talk about next. Yeah. So, yeah, speaking of that, let us know what you think and uh, keep following. We'll have more information, links, descriptions, and resources for you in the future. Thanks for watching. And listening. Ciao. <laughs>